Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, there's a, there's a story that I want to tell you. It's absolutely one of my favorite old-time stories. I really like save this story for special occasions. But I, in order to make the point that I really want to make, I feel like we should start with this story. So this is like the story of how Rebbe Nachman of Breslov became a Rebbe. And this is, um, I haven't seen this in any books. Not that I've read all the books, but, um, but I heard it from Reb Shlomo Karlbach. And so this is very special to hear this story and, and, and very, like, it's, to me, it's, it's like a very central thing to know if you want to get through this world, get through this life. Okay, so back in the day, you know, this is, you know, the, I don't know, first part of the 1800s, uh, in Russia anyway, this is in the Ukraine, people didn't live very long. And because they didn't live very long, they got married very young. So 13, 14, whatever it is, that's, that was the normal thing because, you know, you had to get going on with life already. So Rebbe Nachman was getting married. He was, you know, of this age, and he was standing in front of his wedding hall. And there are people coming in to go to the wedding. And each person who's going in, he's looking straight into their eyes. Now you can imagine, this is one of the holiest people that ever lived. Like he was on fire. He's looking into your eyes. And you walk in and he, he says, why are you here? And like people were like freaking out a little bit. Like, oh, you know, um, you don't know me. I'm like your cousin's uncle or whatever it is. Or, you know, another person comes up. Why are you here? It's like, oh, you, you haven't seen me since. Why are you, why are you here? Oh, I'm on your wife's side. We, you know, everyone, everyone had like a different answer. Then like another young person, also on fire, walks up to him and he looks into his eyes and he says, why are you here? And he says, you know, I lie in bed every night asking myself the same question. So he was the first person who understood what Rebbe Nachman was asking. And he says, and I'll tell you something else. There's a group of us who also ask ourselves the same question. And we meet together and we learn in the forest. And so at some point, Rebbe Nachman started learning with them. And this is how Rebbe Nachman became a Rebbe. This was the beginning. So the question is, why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we here? And you see... The mind works kind of in funny ways. You know, the mind fills in blanks. Like they have things, I don't know if you've seen these things, sometimes they, they're like almost like just little curiosities. Maybe you can see one online or something like that, where there will be a sentence and it will be missing a key word or two. And then it will ask you what it said. And you'll be able to absolutely give the information, but then they'll say, go back and read the line again. And you realize that the key word was missing in the line. But your brain filled it in. They've, they've done this cognitive research. This is, this is all documented. I've taken that test several times. I, I, I've, I've done it myself. You see, the, the brain fills in gaps. And you're, it does it in such a lightning speed, you're not even aware while it's happening. Or even that it's happening. So we're born into this world. And our brain fills in massive holes 
in terms of understanding what is going on in terms of this world. Massive holes. Okay? Let me approach this from another. This is a very big idea that I'm trying to share with you right now. Let me approach it from a different angle for, for a moment. Okay? I heard Rabbi Hanach Teller uh, say something that I thought was very, very helpful, just on a day-to-day level, just a good tool for all of us, right? I, I call these talks spiritual tools for an outrageous world, so this is a tool, okay? So he says that he was in a bank, and he's waiting online, and he saw someone acting really inappropriately, like by one of the tellers. And he said that he had to keep on reminding himself, act two, act two, act two. That's what he was telling himself. And then he explained, what does he mean by that? He said, imagine you walk into a play. Like, it's like you're on right Broadway. You walk into the middle of a play, and you're a half an hour late for the, for the play. And all of a sudden, you walk in, and there are two people on stage yelling at each other. And you don't, you don't know why they're yelling at each other. They're just acting like maniacs. But you understand that you missed the first part of the play, which is going to explain everything. So that's the thing. When people act inappropriately, like this person at the bank teller, right? You don't know what act one was. You missed act one. So, so you have to remind yourself when you see people acting in very strange ways, act two, act two, act two, right? Because you missed the first chunk. Okay, so now let's double back to our original idea. This idea that you're born into this world and your brain is filling in big holes. But the idea is like this. You assume that there has to be a world. (laughs) Who said there has to be a world? No one made God make a world. You assume that you're in this meat suit that we call a body, (laughs) right? And of course I'm in a meat suit. Of course I am. What else would I be in? He is, she is, everybody is. What else would I be wearing? Right? But, but, but why? why? Why make that assumption? Why have your brain fill in that gap? Nothing has to be the way it is. Nothing has to be the way it is. When the Ramban says that you don't have a share in the Torah of Moshe, right? Which is like a very heavy statement. That means you don't have a part in the Torah unless, you ready? You better sit up straight. So I can tell you that you don't have a share in the Torah unless, you ready? You understand that every single thing is a miracle. And that's not some hippy-dippy kind of like spiritual thought there. We're talking about the Ramban Right? He's telling you the basics of reality right now. Nothing has to be the way it is. But meanwhile, the brain is filling in all these things and saying, of course, of course, of course, it's obvious, it's obvious, it's obvious, it's obvious, it's obvious. But we're entering into the middle of creation. We're also entering in, we believe in reincarnation. Judaism believes in reincarnation. We're also entering in to the middle of a sequence of lifetimes that we've led. Right? As Reb Shlomo said, this world is like a big hospital clinic. Everyone here is there to fix themselves. Everyone here is is in the process of fixing themselves. 
So, so you, all of us, are entering into the middle of this 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 construct, and yet we think that we're walking in on the the opening act. I tell you something else, just to go a little bit more deeply into this. Right? Imagine you're at that theater production, right? And you're on time this time. You're not walking in the middle. You're on time. You're sitting down. Very good. You know, the stage opens, the curtains open. And what is the, one of the first words in the whole Torah? It says, Vayehi or, let there be light. Famous words, right? Which, by the way, was not the light of the sun. A much greater light. But that's another topic. So you think, what is the beginning of creation then? If the first words, basically, are vayahi or let there be light, what's the beginning of creation? Darkness. It's obvious. It's obvious that it's darkness. Except that's not true. Because God existed before the world existed. And one of the names of God is or in self, light without end. Which means the beginning is light. Tremendous light. Blinding light. Not darkness. That's where it begins, with light. See, the problem with the world is, it's a very big introduction to a thought, isn't it? (laughs) But the problem with the world is, is that we think religion, and by the way, very important, there is no word for religion in Torah. That word does not exist in Torah, religion. All there is is reality. Reality is being explained to us, not some idea. You see, we think there's baseball and there's hot dogs and there's Detroit, right? And there's the color green and there's God and there's pencil erasers. It's like, wait a second, go go back a second. (laughs) We think that God is one thing on a list of things that exists. It's It's just on the list of things that there are in the world, God. Everything exists within God. It's not a thing on a list. You know, there's a, a phrase that I, I love that no one understands, but I always go back to it, which is, who's zooming who? <laughs> so what does that mean in this, in this context, right? Who's zooming who? In other words, it, is God an idea in your head and you're the center of reality? Or are you an idea in God's mind and God is the center of reality? Believe me, it's the second. Believe me, it's the second. We exist within God. And that's all there is. Ultimately, that's all that exists. That's all that exists is God. It's the only thing that's going on 24-7. And yet we walk around with these giant assumptions that of course the world is this, this is the world, and this is me, and whatever it is, and, and there's such a thing as religion, which I really don't need, but, you know, I'll make my parents happy, or maybe it'll help me to be a little bit of a nicer person, but really, let's be serious. 
So with this in mind, I want to tell you a Torah from the Radomsker Rebbe. The Radomsker Rebbe was one of the greatest Hasidic masters, okay? And it says here in Parshas V'yes Chanon, it's in, if you want to look it up, it's in chapter 4, verse 29. It's talking about the history of the Jewish people, how we're going to go into exile. And it says, from there, meaning from exile, from there you will seek Hashem your God, and you will find Him if you search with Him with all of your heart and your soul. Okay, so that's, a, that's an amazing prophecy. That, that's not just sort of like, Moshe is just sort of like, you know, speculating. He's telling you the history of the world. We're going to go into exile, which happened. And we're going to seek out God, which if you're listening to this talk right now, is happening. But you have to do it with all of your heart and all of your soul. And when that happens, we're going to find Him. All right. Now, the Radam Skarebi has an amazing, amazing... I mean, it's so good, you can't say it's his idea. He's, he has an amazing insight into what the Torah is actually telling us. In other words, this is, he's un, unpacking the Torah for us. Right? So the word that if you search for God, it says you're going to, when you search for God, umasasa, that's the, that's the word that it used. Now, that's the same word he points out as this word metzia. Okay, so let's let's frame the question. A metzia is basically you just came across it. You weren't expecting to find it, but you found something. You found something, right? Like you were just at like a, uh, you know, like a flea market or something like that, and you're just kind of walking around the booths, looking around, and then, wow. You didn't expect to see it, but there it is. This is fantastic. I can't believe it. Wow, I got to get that. That's so good. So it's a surprise, right? So, but, but we have a problem now. Because it just said, if you look for God. So I'm looking for God. So why should I be surprised? Right? I'm looking for a 1953 Gibson guitar, and there it is. Well, I was looking for it, so it's not a surprise. So, so the Radomsker is saying, look, the Torah is saying something very super deep right now. It's saying that you're, you are looking for God, and yet, when you find Him, you're going to be so surprised. <laughs> Why? Those two things don't go together. Because if you're Looking, okay, so how is it? What, what does he say? So he brings from Shir Shirim Rabbah, a very classic Jewish teaching, that God says that if you open up your heart like the eye of a needle, you know, just the opening at the top of a needle, just a little bit, if you open your heart that much, God is going to open up your heart like the doors, the entrance to the base of Migdash, which was a huge, huge opening. 
In other words, you open it up a little, and then God's going to open it up a lot. By the way, the Katskarebi says something very strong on this. He says, you know, the eye of a needle, it's a real opening from the beginning all the way to the end. It might be small, but it's a complete opening. So when you open up your heart, it's got to be a complete opening, even if it's just a little bit. It's got to be all the way through. So believe it or not, we didn't change the subject from the beginning. But now we have the Radomsker factory. See, person thinks, all right, so basically this is the world. I'm not thinking so much about it. God's really an idea in my head. I'm not a subset of God, right? So I'm just walking down the street trying to be a nicer person. God's an idea in my head, whatever it is. I do a couple of things. Try to learn a little Torah, maybe. Do a few mitzvahs. And then all of a sudden, you get your mind blown. Because <laughs> God says, okay, are we in it? Are we going to do this? Are we really going to do this? And then all of a sudden, like, the outer layer of reality gets ripped off. And you see that you're dwelling in, like, the sea of infinity. And that every single thing is like an independent miracle, including yourself, happening around you. And you were looking for it, but you had no idea. Like, can you imagine, like, Kaviyoko, so to speak? You're, like, in your room. Like you're in your room, like your bedroom. And you've got a little fishbowl, right? And then you want to play a little game. So you make a little fishing rod. (laughs) with a little hook on the bottom and you're fishing for the goldfish and out comes like a sea monster (laughs) a hundred times the size of your house (laughs) like what? what's going on? (laughs) the scale the scale of it because I didn't even know what I was looking for I didn't even know You know, another classic teaching, you know, we know that we know that the Hebrew letters aren't just letters. Basically, on the deepest level, they're, they're signatures for different energy wavelengths. Okay? It's a big idea right there in one sentence. But... And Hashem combined the letters and he made the world. In other words, it's, it's a very Einsteinian type of thought that energy becomes mass. Okay? So, instead of energy, let's say light. God took the outer garment of his light and turned that into the physical universe. We even have a formula for it. Rabbi Shlomo says that when the wind, since everything is with the Hebrew letters then, that when the wind rustles through the trees, the sound it makes is in Hebrew. Right? Awesome, right? 
So what is, so what is the name of this world? What is the name of this world? So the word for world, so every Hebrew word, Torah Hebrew word, is a x-ray of the ultimate reality of that thing. And God spoke the world into creation, so to speak. God doesn't have a mouth, but this is... God spoke the world into creation. Isn't it interesting that, that the word in Hebrew for words and things is the same word. Devarim means words, but it also means things. Because God used words to make things. <laughs> so they're one and the same. You know, I was just looking in, in this week's Parsha. It's, it's unbelievable. It says... Make sure you don't forget what happened at Mount Sinai. By the way, all of our souls were at Mount Sinai. We all were there, okay? And it says, make sure you don't... If you look in the English, it says, make sure that you don't forget the things. It says, es hadavarim. And it's translated as, make sure you don't forget the things that you saw at Mount Sinai. Right? Because there were a lot of miracles at Mount Sinai. The mountain burst into flames, right? Flowers were like, they're in the middle of the desert. All of a sudden, like, flowers burst up and covered the mountain. Like, there were all sorts of amazing things that happened. Our souls flew out of our bodies. So it says, Moshe says, make sure you don't forget Es HaDavarim, and it's translated in English as the things that you saw at Mount Sinai. But what did we just say? Devarim means words. So now listen to it. See, this is why, as my brother-in-law taught me, every translation is a commentary. Let me tell you why. Because Devarim means words, and it also means things. Now, if you're translating it, you have to choose one. So now, all of a sudden, it's not a straight translation. It's now a commentary, because you are investing yourself in terms of how this is going to be communicated. You are making a choice. Or if you're making a choice, that's already, you're making a commentary at that point. Do you understand? This is why it's so important to be familiar with the Hebrew. And by the way, if you want to be more familiar with the Hebrew, the, 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 the quickest way to do it is just to learn Hebrew roots, three-letter Hebrew roots. Because most of, there's, there's actually, I don't want to say a limited number of words, but, but relatively speaking, a limited number of words that the Torah uses. And if you go over just pages of three-letter roots, you can fairly quickly be able to look at any passage in the Hebrew and pretty much understand what it is, okay? So, so anyway. So it says, don't forget, don't forget, it's translated as things, but now it's Let's, let's go to the multiple levels of understanding that the Torah is communicating. Don't forget the, all the words, es hadavarim, all of the words that you saw. Okay, now this is getting wild. We saw words. This is called synesthesia, where there are people who, it's like a very rare brain chemistry, where, like, for instance... 
where senses overlap and switch places and things like that. There are people where if you play a piano note, they can taste it. And it's not, this is not made up. This is real. Can you, can you imagine? They can taste music. We saw words. We saw words. Now, what, how, now the Shalah gives a very, very comprehensible explanation for that, by the way. It doesn't mean we saw words. That as God spoke, each thing he said was spelled out in letters of fire for everyone to see. So that's a very comprehensible way of understanding it, that we saw words. And I would suggest that it really does mean words in this context. Don't forget all the words that you saw. You know why? Because it says, S hadavarim. S is olive through tough. Those are all the letters of the olives. S hadavarim. You saw olive through tough. You saw all the letters spelled out in front of you. Okay, so, so we see how the Hebrew letters are the DNA and the energies behind them, the DNA of, of all of the material world. Okay? So what is the word world? What is the word world? In other words, don't you want to know where you live? I want to know where I live. So it's olam. Now, the root of the word olam is elam, ayin lamin mem, which means hidden. So the name of the place that you live is God is hidden in this place. <laughs> which sounds like, can you imagine like, okay, go, where do you live? Well, go down Pika, right? Turn right on Robertson, and I live in God is hidden in this place. <laughs> But if you know that God is hidden in this place, then he's no longer hidden in this place. <laughs> so you have the description, an accurate description, and you have the solution in this description. Because once you know it's hidden, now you know to go and look for it. <laughs> But if you want to know how hidden, I heard from Rabbi Sitran, who heard from his Rebbe, that God is the most hidden he can possibly be, where if you search for him, you can still find him. In other words, very hidden. <laughs> Not just a little hidden, very hidden. And if you say, well, I looked. Well, look again. <laughs> look a little bit harder. You know the famous Hasidic story that the person who's lost in the forest, he's very upset. Who knows? Nighttime comes, the wild animals come, he can be killed. He's, it's serious business. He sees an old man, he's so happy. He says to the old man, thank God, I, 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 I didn't know what was going to happen. And how do I get out? And the old man says to him, I'll tell you the truth, I'm also lost. 
He says, but I can tell you which ways not to go. So, let's say we looked and we didn't find. Well, look again. And this time you know from your previous experience we're not to look. I'll tell you something. You know, someone said this to me very casually one time and I didn't think about it for years and then like a boomerang. Like, can you imagine throwing a boomerang and it goes so far away? You think, you, you stop thinking about it and, you know, it's lost, whatever. And then like three years later it comes back and hits you in the head. <laughs> like someone said something to me very casually and I didn't think about it for years and now I'm thinking about it a lot. I don't even remember him saying it. I don't even know who said it. But we were talking about, you know, going on a spiritual path in life and things like that. And I asked him about his spiritual life or journey or hers. I don't remember. And I said, so why did, why did you do this? And the person said, because I ran out of excuses not to. You know, I heard Reb Shlomo saying the name of Reb Tzadik HaKon. He says, Reb Tzadik says, the world says the world is getting further and further away from God. And then Reb Tzadik says, I say the world is getting further and further away on the outside and coming closer and closer on the inside. You know why? Because people are running out of excuses. And on the Outside, they're still running after other things. But on the inside, they're going, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. I heard Rabbi Aaron saying the name of Rav Cook that atheism, right, which is denying God, like denying God, is one step away from Torah, one step away from from. One step away. Why? Because in denying, you got rid of all the falsehood. So you rejected everything that's not true. Now you're one step away from the truth. And I know in my own life, if you looked at my lifestyle before I started keeping Shabbos and things like that, you probably would have said, that guy, give me a break. That guy, no way. But inside, you know, from, for many years already, I was on a journey. For many, many years already. And I was going, okay, check that out. It's not that. Check that out. It's not that. And at a certain point, I wouldn't have phrased it this way. It wasn't really about running out of excuses. Maybe that was part of it, but that wasn't the main thing. It was sort of like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because can I tell you something? God's not going anywhere. And you know what? We've got a piece of God inside of us, which means we're not going anywhere. (laughs) So if we're not going anywhere and God's not going anywhere, at a certain point, it's sort of like, well, I guess we're the only two left at the party. (laughs) So maybe we should actually get to know each other. (laughs)
All right, maybe we'll stop here.